Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes? How you doing? I am uh, doing very well. I'm feeling very patriotic. All right. Not just because I get a Wednesday off in the middle of the week. Um, <laughs> but it is, uh, this is our 4th of July episode. Yeah, which we don't really do. I think a few, <laughs> right. I think a few, week, uh, a few years ago we did like movies about America or something yeah. like that. But hey, I'm all for the 4th of July. Yeah. I consider myself a patriot. Okay. You know, here's what was going to happen. I was, I was about to make a joke. Like about just, the New England Patriots? No, I was, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, that's the kind of joke I'd make. <laughs> no, I was going to make uh, just this joke in which I was like fake mad at you and be like, I thought you were a liberal or something uh, like that. Right. And, it just, and I was just like, ah, I don't have the energy to play that character today. <laughs> and so, but I had not made that decision before you were done talking. And so I was just like, oh, well, here we are. So, yeah. sorry. There are liberals. I mean, sorry. There are, there are patriots on all sides of the political argument. And there are non-patriots on all sides as well. And those who are engaging in rhetoric for their own personal growth uh, or, or or selfish betterment uh, are... It is self-evident who those people are. Self-evident, you say? Yeah. Good, like like these, tru- these truths. <laughs> That we're holding. I'm holding on all these truths. Um. <laughs> so this is the second episode we've done in, uh, in one night. Right, 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 right. And by the way, this is the third thing I've recorded in one night. Yeah, yeah. So we're feeling a little silly, and I apologize, everybody, uh, especially because uh, we want to start off by talking about something rather sad. Right. Well, I wanted to talk more about Fourth of July first. Well, we'll do, we'll do that at a, okay. when we get into it. You don't want to talk about you talk about how awesome fireworks are. We can do that. You know, I uh, think I just did. Yeah, I think I kind of pretty just good. Did. Fireworks are awesome. It scared the hell out of me as a kid because I didn't really? like. Uh, I had very sensitive ears when I was younger. Huh. So, but yes. Um, um, yeah, we do want to start off uh, for the second week in a row, uh, second episode in a row. Um, why am I such a <laughs> stickler for those things? A uh, second episode in a row, starting off talking about someone who is who has passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is Nora Ephron. Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I insisted we talk about Andrew Saris. You insisted we talk about Nora Ephron. Yes. So I kind of want you to take the lead. I don't want that sounded cruel. Like I didn't care. <laughs> That's right, not what I but meant. You know what? I wasn't thinking about Aaron, a- Andrew Saris either. Um, and it's not because I didn't care. I just wasn't thinking about it. And uh, yeah, uh, Nora Ephron is is a okay. This is going to sound really mean because I shouldn't compare the two. However, not Nora Ephron and Andrew Saris, but. There are not a lot of female directors out there, you know, um, even fewer female writer directors. And those that are there tend to be sort of pigeonholed into a specific genre. Mm -hmm. um, And that is unfortunate. And so I don't. uh, So I apologize in advance if it sounds like I only think in terms of like, oh, well, this female directors like that female director because they're both women and they're they're like that Uh you know it's not that but like for example i tend to think of Nora efron in the same way i think of nancy myers and it's because of the types of movies that they make um here's the thing though Nora efron is infinitely better than nancy myers okay uh (laughs) And I know that sounds terrible, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to speak about Nora Ephron only... It's going to be really awkward when Nancy Myers dies and we have to talk about her. 
Well, I'll find someone she's better than. <laughs> um, infinitely better than Catherine Bigelow. So uh, I'm joking. Of yeah, you, you so, take that back. So um, and I, and and so I, I I feel bad that I'm insulting Nancy Myers to talk about Nora Ephron, but it's one of those things that's just people I know she's often doing fine. She'll she'll make it. Uh, oh, that sounds bad. I meant she's going to make it in you know in Hollywood. Uh, so I suppose she's going to, you know, she's going to pull through. <laughs> so, um, it, now I'm making jokes. I apologize. Um, it's just one, I often find that people, when I talk about one, they ask if it's the other because it's both, you know, it's Nora and Nancy, both female directors that, that specialize in like romantic comedies and, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but Sleepless in Seattle is... Of, is a very good movie you know it's it's very much within I, that genre honestly have not seen it in so long that i wouldn't even feel comfortable okay agreeing or disagreeing and with i haven't you. seen it in a while but it's 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 good and then i saw you've got mail and that's a actually a pretty good movie too um I never saw that like one. she has a very strong she had i'm sorry she had a very strong handle on who her characters were and the stakes of these relationships and and you've got mail. I mean, you, I'm sure you know what the, the story is. It's these two people who hate each other in real life, but then through email and that sort of thing, uh, they actually like each other quite a bit. And there will there is the inevitable inevitable payoff that we all know is going to happen, where they it is finally revealed who who these people are. And but then it turned out they were living in the same house six years apart. <laughs> um and one was okay so um but the thing is that scene can be that payoff can be so cheesy and there is a a cheese element to it but it's so it's emotionally so satisfying uh i you know i thought and it showed it there was like there was a subtlety to it a, a nuance it wasn't all just like just a big, you know, boisterous uh, uh, orchestral explosion of, of emotion. Like, it was just, it felt very human. I feel like she tells very human stories. Even something like Julia and Julia, which some people consider that film to be poorly conceived because the story of Julia Child is much more interesting than the current uh, Julia. I don't remember her last name. But I, I'm, I at least like that she took the chance in putting these two stories together and, and seeing a through line as far as, uh, their arc. Uh, and I think, and I don't even mind the, the modern story of Julie and what she is going through. And Nora Ephron, just her instincts as a writer and as a filmmaker and the things that she wanted to explore, uh, set her apart from what people would, I'm sorry, what people would stereotypically think of as like, oh, f- you know, romantic comedies in general, whether uh, they're directed by uh, men or women, is like, ah, they're all the same. They all fit this certain mold. And even with something like Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail, which do fit certain a, a certain type of mold, she made it feel fresh by really believing in these characters and really wanting to see from their point of view rather than the point of view of the cynical audience or the cynical, uh, you know, studio head who's just like, ah, let's just do this again. Um, and then with Julie and Julia, she wanted to try something new, uh, try something different. And it's debatable whether or not it paid off. I admire what she was trying to do. And I think for the most part it does work. Um, 
and then of course she co-wrote uh did she co-write when harry met sally or did she write it by herself i don't recall but it is but it is a very well written film that sort of and that that sort of set a new standard for the romantic comedy she wrote it yeah yeah okay yeah you you were talking about her as a writer director um films that i either hadn't seen or hadn't seen since i was a a wee one Mm -hmm. um but she she wrote when harry met sally which is to my mind uh top five all-time romantic comedies up there with uh it happened one night the philadelphia story Mm -hmm. um what are the other ones you think hmm well, I know that The Thin Man isn't technically a romantic comedy, but I do like their romantic relationship, and it's often quite funny. All-time romantic comedies. I think I'd go with When Harry Met Sally, in no particular order, When Harry Met Sally, and Having One Night, the Philadelphia Story. I kind of like bringing up Baby myself. Um, that's a good one. But I think I'm going to go with a couple more recent ones. Uh, the American President. Okay. Stay and tuned. This one, you might disagree with me on how much, to what extent this is a comedy, okay. but Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I do consider that more of a drama, yes. Okay. Um, I think it's very funny. I do as well, but I think almost anything having to do with the romance is drama. And so saying okay. it's a romantic no, I mean, comedy. Uh, like. I'm going to keep it in the fifth slot for now. You guys can email me at davidabattleshipretention.com yeah. if you don't think it's. Uh, uh, or just contact me on Twitter. That's, that's how people get a hold of me now, which is fine. I. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will see my Twitter more often than my email, probably. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. She made the one of the top, she wrote one of the top five American uh, or uh, romantic comedies of all time, and they all are American. But I think we can admit Americans do romantic comedy better than uh, other countries. I'd say that's about right. Uh, so I think that's one of the things we do better. I'm not gonna not gonna stand down from that. I, I can't ima- I can't immediately jump to hey, you know what Amelie is kind of a delightful uh, little romantic comedy. I mean, there are exceptions I, to every rule. Yeah, but look at I mean like, the way that like, uh, you know, I guess you know you think what you would like you think of a British romance you think of what Brief Encounter. It's not exactly funny, uh, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> And so like, to show you're a patriot, you are now bashing other countries yeah, that's in what a I'm certain doing. tone of voice. It's not exactly funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, like, I'm trying to think of other, like, uh, I think Shall We Dance, the Japanese version, not the horrible American remake, okay. is one of the most romantic movies I've ever seen. But again, not really, not, yeah, yeah. Not exactly funny. Um, it's got some comedy in it. Anyway, that's not the point. Oh, man. This is late night. Like, yeah. my mind just not staying on track. Um, despite the fact that I have... If I've ever had a bone to pick with Nora Ephron, it's the idea that she put forth in When Harry Met Sally and in repeated interviews and other things she said that men and women can't be friends. Um, I think she really believed that, um, and I have never liked that Mm -hmm. idea. I think that's complete bullshit. I have plenty of lady friends that I'm not trying to fuck. Um, And that's her, like, uh, I guess, thesis there. Yeah, I think it might be a little uh, reductive, uh, specifically of uh, men. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. There, are, there's, I don't know, maybe two women I know that I'm not interested in having sex with. <laughs> it's a joke, of course, everybody. Um, but but you now, know now I'm thinking like, <laughs> well, don't, when, when I was single, yeah, the women that I consider my just friends that I'm just friends with and don't think about that way. If one of them said, "Hey, you wanna?" You want to you go for go for a spin? I maybe might have. Even if she said that, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, or I don't know uh, if you've gotten to 
I'm not sure where you are in the Mad Men thing, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a line where someone says, they're taking you to the room and give you a go around like you've never had. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. I, uh, I remember at the time, I think I had seen that episode and you, uh, you loved it. You just like, <laughs> I love that line because uh, if uh, a suave character had said that, it would come across as suave. But because yeah. of who Don says Draper it, does not say that. Right. Because of who says it, it's just gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, this is beside the point. Yeah. Um, we talked in the last episode about a little uh, jokey line in the movie Role Models that we think is actually very true mm-hmm. about relationships. Um, when Harry Met Sally has a line that you and I both uh, have agreed on before is one of the best lines in romantic comedy history and best lines about uh, long-term relationships, uh, which is the uh, one of the last lines of the movie, which is when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Uh, I love that line so much that, in fact... Uh, you have a tattooed on your back. <laughs> yeah, and there's, like, devil horns and stuff. It's it's really it's really conceptual, but... Uh, <laughs> in flame letters, <laughs> the whole thing... <laughs> <laughs> um and so no what uh at my at my wedding i put together because there's like a kind of a low level movie theme to my wedding i put together uh, a lot of uh memorable movie quotes having to do with love and relationships uh and i put them together into an extended uh monologue uh that i actually think works surprisingly well and uh that is a line in it because i think it, it's it's such an interesting it's a line that maybe is it doesn't... the last one? I would have put it last. Uh, no, the last one is "Here's looking at you, kid." Ah. Uh, but it's it's towards the it's it's towards the end. Um, but it's it's a line. It's so it's so interesting because it's a line that to a certain extent doesn't make sense, but it also makes perfect mm, sense. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it doesn't make literal sense. It doesn't make literal yeah. sense, but it makes sense to anybody who has been like in love. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I like any uh, not unlike. Not unlike these swirling colors in Punch Drunk Love. Like, this idea is like, okay, well, if we're going to be talking about love, I think we're going to have to leave literal sense, or in some cases, <laughs> even words. We're just going to have to leave them at the door. Like, and we're going to have to just say what is actually true. And, uh, and that line, I think, is a, a really great, um, just a really great phrasing of like committing to somebody. So. And for contributing that line to the cinematic lexicon alone, Nora Ephron yes. deserves some props. So, um, you know who else deserves some props? People over there at tweakedaudio.com <laughs> for the awesome earbuds they make. Um, they are professional quality, uh, very affordable earbuds. They're very affordable to begin with, but you go to tweakedaudio.com. Sorry, let me say it so you can hear it. You go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. And you get a third off and free shipping on uh, 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 your your selection of a variety of of, uh, styles and colors uh, of uh, really high-quality earbuds. So uh, check them out. Uh, Also, I want to say, which I said a few days ago in the last episode, um, if you're going to be attending San Diego Comic-Con or just be in the San Diego area the uh, weekend of Comic-Con, Thursday night, uh, Thursday, July 12th, uh, we're having a meetup. It's a Battleship Pretension meetup, but it's also a Criterion Cast meetup and a Warner Archive Collection meetup. So um, if you're fans of those guys, if you don't know who the hell they are, but you want to uh, uh, meet them and you know, size them up, see if uh, they're worth uh, rubbing elbows with, you come over to uh, a bar called Dublin Square, 8 to 10 
p.m. Thursday night. Uh, that's on Fourth Street, and uh, drink all you want for free. Um, again, someone's paying for it. It's not for free for free, mm-hmm. but it's a free to you. Although, ser- the, do tip. Uh, I know, but I don't know. It's just when you get something for free, you still tip, yeah. especially drinks. Absolutely. You know, the 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 waiters and waitresses still have to do and bartenders and bartenderesses still have to do their jobs. Uh, you should tip on free drinks. I think so. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, Comic Con Meetup Dial M for Meetup. That's what we're calling it. Uh, quite cleverly, if I do say so myself. And Which that's you do. Thursday, July twelfth. I haven't said who came up with it. I just say that it's clever. <laughs> uh, Thursday, July twelfth, eight to ten p.m. at Dublin Square in the San Diego Gaslamp District. So. Fireworks are awesome. Oh, indeed, yes. Uh, and they're 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 big and they're pretty and they're really loud. I think that's actually that's why you didn't like them. I think that's actually kind of my favorite part mm. is how loud they are. When they're so loud that like you you're you feel it in your heart. That's what I. Let me tell you, this came up um, with uh, a friend of the show and friend of ours, Patrick Starr uh, from Pretend for Real Studios. Um, I was talking to him just the other day about this. The only thing that I can think of that I miss about living in the suburbs is that I think the fireworks shows are better hmm. in the suburbs because you can generally get closer. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes. Um, uh, or, or get closer without being crammed with a bazillion people. Like at a baseball game or something. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, where, whereas the past couple of years, and again this year, we go up to Simi Valley, California, where where my girlfriend is from, and hang out with her her, her sister and her nephew, and and we go to the the park, and we bring food and and and, and beverages and, and a blanket. We sit out, and when it gets dark, you can lay down there in the blanket and look up and feel the ground moving, and yeah. feel your like chest feel like it's just been pushed or yeah. something, and it's incredibly big and loud and i love fireworks so much yeah it's uh on uh, on i think friday no maybe it's every night uh during this certain certainly during the uh, the on season um at disneyland at nine o'clock uh every night i believe yeah i'm pretty sure it's every night yeah uh, i love it yeah it's a great fireworks display and one that actually is like disney themed which i love but it's and you're pretty close like they shoot it from right uh, right from behind that uh, castle there yeah uh, you know what's cool to do if i've only been able to time it right once but you can get on the matterhorn at such a time that the sort of like clink 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 climb hill of the matterhorn yeah. points right at the fireworks so oh, you nice. can watch fireworks while you're climbing up the uh that 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 first hill of the okay. matterhorn i thought the first hill Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I was uh, getting it confused with uh, Big Thunder. So um, I love the Matterhorn. Yeah, I think I'm – yeah, I'm thinking of Matterhorn. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yes. A- anyway. Rockets Fireworks. Red Glare. Name of an actor, oddly enough. Yes. Uh, actor. Oh. Um, fireworks, a great way to celebrate our nation uh, and a great way to celebrate its history uh, and its its leaders, our presidents. Um so that's what uh, that was my way of getting to what we're going to talk about today. Leaders, presidents, which, uh, I don't which know. is movies about presidents. So let's get into it, shall we? All right. Now, um, this is your, this was your idea, but you didn't give me guidelines. Okay. So I didn't realize that you were talking about fictional presidents because I have two columns. Here. Well, the re- I, I will go ahead and tell the the listeners. I'll give them a little uh, peek behind the curtain. Okay. Uh, the reason that I did not, I'm not opposed to talking about uh, you know depictions of of real presidents uh but 
I'd had an idea for a series that we have not yet done, and we, you know, sometime in the future. I, I've got an idea. For, I've got ideas for lots of series that we've never done, by the way. Um, maybe I'm just keeping them in my pocket until the day when we run out of ideas. Like, ah, no, we've got this four-week series. Yeah, I've got so many topics. I know. I'm, ex- I'm excited. How is it possible? This is like episode 276? Yeah, 276. It's insane. How do we, how do we still have the topics? Um, but anyway, uh, and it was, uh, I came up with this when Frost Nixon came out. And, because, and I realized that Richard Nixon had been depicted by a lot of different actors in a lot of different films. And so I had come up with an idea, uh, a name for the topic, which was Depictions of Nixon. Mm-hmm. And... Then that led to other things, which is, uh, you know, the series at some point will be like uh, notable characters uh, from often from literature or in real life and that are depicted frequently. One is like Dracula or Frankenstein's monster or Richard Nixon or what about James Bond or James Bond could James Bond or could Bruce work. Wayne. Bruce Wayne could work. Um, and there's going to be a fun series. Uh, somebody like. Uh, and this one might not work because there might only be like four of them, but like Fagin, like Fagin from uh, Oliver Twist, oh, right, right. and just the different versions. Ooh, of, what about of Queen, El- Queen Elizabeth the Queen, First? That would be perfect. That'd be a great. That's one. A, yeah. So and once and and it may be the kind of thing that when the time comes, we put out there to to the listeners to say like, mm. what do you think? Yeah. You know, because um, you could wind up with like the Phantom of the Opera or Huck Finn or something yeah. like that. So and yeah, if you send us one now, it'll be lost by the time we do uh, it. So there's no question about it. We will completely forget about it. But anyway, so the reason that I did not want to uh, right to do talk real, about okay. real presence is because I did not want to step on depictions of Nixon because I so badly want to have that discussion because Richard Nixon as a person and as a character and at this point he's just as much one as the other. Uh, Hitler's another one, by the way. Oh, yeah. um, he's just as much one as the other fascinates me and i want to devote an entire episode to him. there's some movies i need to see though yeah yeah because i never saw frost nixon i never saw secret honor yeah and everyone needs to see secret honor yeah but yeah so um so but but i'm not opposed to talking about uh, real life presence depicted in films so uh but we'll we'll probably uh kind of kind of glance off of uh off of nixon and, and we'll talk about uh, some others here and there uh, well, do you want to start with that? Since we just get it sure. out of the way, get these real presidents out of sure. the way, and the one that uh, I, we'll we'll focus in since it's the one that you've seen. We'll focus in on uh, Nixon in Oliver Stone's Nixon. Okay, or okay. in Dick or, or in yeah, it's basically the same, right? <laughs> uh, well, I, I didn't actually have much to say about Nixon. I think it's 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 interesting because um, when I look at my list here and and the list in front of me is of fictional presidents but uh as with any biopic there's always the the what they say the warts and all depiction and what i like about nixon oddly enough is that there are few certainly at the time as as time has gone on there have been a few other politicians that have become more hated um it's actually kind of fascinating that George W. Bush was hated so much that people are like, you know, Nixon wasn't too bad, really. <laughs> um, I mean, he opened China. He did, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's Oliver Stone, who, of course, hated Nixon maybe as much as Robert Altman. <laughs> but it's worth noting, and I, I won't go into a lot of detail here, that Altman made his own little uh, Nixon movie called Secret Honor, and both of them, you know, big critics of Nixon, 
they make movies showing him as a man, an often ridiculous man, a Mm -hmm. paranoid man, but also a deeply miserable man who, no matter how much the world hated him, it could not match how much he hated himself. (laughs) And, and so there's a a fair amount of sympathy, uh, in Nixon for the character. I think, um, would you say, I mean, it certainly doesn't exonerate him or anything, but it it says like, this is a man who brought himself down. Right. Right. Just his own, his own neuroses, neuroses are what led him to, you know, be fine with like the Watergate break in and that kind of thing because he was it, it was pretty much assumed he was going to be reelected and he got reelected by a pretty big landslide against McGovern but when you're as insecure as that it's like I can't count on anything I certainly can't count on these people's love uh-huh. so I need to know everything I can about my possible opponents you know and that kind of thing so uh, and I like and even though Anthony Hopkins depiction of Nixon is <laughs> is not not very dead on. None of them really are. Uh, they're meant to hint at him and then explore, explore it as if he were a, a fictional character that they're just sinking their teeth into. And so I like Nixon quite a bit. I, people say it's overwrought and yes, it is. It's Oliver Stone. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I like it more than, uh, I'll segue into something else, which I don't think you've seen actually, uh, Oliver Stone's W. I have not seen it. Okay. Uh, but W is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And in, in that you get the cat, what I think is inspired casting Josh Brolin as Uh George W. Bush, because Josh Brolin, he just looks heroic. He just (laughs) looks like a cowboy, you know? Um, and he's likable. He's in, I think, I think he's inherently likable. Like he's Mm -hmm. not. I was about to say he's not given much to do in no country for old. He's given, he's given a lot to do, but you know, it's a pretty stoic performance, but within that there's actually a surprising amount of charisma and likability. And so in casting an actor that I think we are predisposed to like, uh, I I found that an interesting choice on the part of Oliver Stone. And I think it is, it's unfortunate the movie was, was not, uh, loved, because if it was, I think Josh Brolin could easily have gotten nominated and he, I would have been fine with that. It's a really interesting performance and it's a guy, it, almost any of these people, because we know them and we know some of their foibles, it would have been easy to just do an impression of him and, mm-hmm. and all that. But like Josh Brolin understands, <laughs> Josh Brolin understands that, uh, like we need to, that he needs to understand the character and also he needs to play the character maybe as the character as George W. Bush saw himself. Mm. And so there's, you know, a swagger and all that, that actually was there. And it's just a, it's just a very interesting performance. And I want to, I'll, I'll throw it to you real quick. And this is something that, uh, that I've noticed in following the Republican primaries this year, people talk like commentators talk about something that I couldn't quite, I didn't totally understand, Uh but as time went on, I started to understand a little bit. It's kind of an intangible quality. They talked about somebody being and looking and sounding presidential. 
We'll talk about that when we get into the fictional ones too. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I have some things to say, and why some of them work and some of them don't. Yeah, yeah. But um, but wh- when you say when I say so and so, you know, Mitt Romney, President Obama, whatever, they seem presidential. What does that mean to you? Oh, I think um, uh, a lot of it has to do, I think, with looking. Um, maybe a little you've got to find this sort of sweet spot between being like old enough to be wise but still seeming younger than you are and still seeming not necessarily virile but like yeah. uh, some strength you know yeah there, you have to have some vitality to you and, and that sort of thing yeah yeah um uh but also you have to be uh trustworthy mm-hmm. uh looking which i know is also just as intangible but yeah. uh you know I'm dancing around the one there's a president I want to say didn't look presidential in these fake ones. Okay. But uh, that's not what I want to talk about right now, actually. Before we get into the fictional ones. Okay. Well, I want to talk about something you said, actually, which is um, portraying Nixon as a man, mm-hmm. as a, an actual man. And I want to talk about, compare two different movies, one bad and one good, that fall on opposite sides of that. Um, in terms of bad, I know you'll agree with me here, uh, Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. <laughs> That's right. It does not depict Franklin Roosevelt as a man. He's, no, he's, he's an idea. Yeah, uh, and he more than once. This is uh, this is. Why don't you take it? Because I know this is something that irks you to no end. <sighs> All right. First off, he's played by John Voight. Okay, <laughs> right, so not not your favorite. Already, have you seen Deliverance? Uh, no, I haven't. You need to see Deliverance. You know what? Here's the thing. I. I I was thinking about this the other day, oddly enough. Uh, I think I've maybe given, uh, I, I think I need to cut John Voight some slack. Uh-huh. The, he makes choices that I don't like, especially later on in his career, but sometimes he is the absolute right choice. Howard Cassell and Ali. Uh, There's a right, reason yeah. he was nominated for supporting actor, and it's because he actually managed to, he plays his, He plays kind of a, a human caricature already, like Howard Cassell was just had such an interesting personality and, and way of speaking and all that and so so yes i i will cut him slack because i haven't seen a lot of his early stuff so you know i can't i can't say he's just an all-around uh bad actor uh or an over actor but um but in the hands of say a michael bay uh-huh. playing the president of the united states all caps um <laughs> the, and it's fdr even bigger caps different font uh Yes, then he overplays it tremendously, and like the weird, like the weird, like prosthetics they have on his face, like everything about it is about the character is exaggerated. And there is a a part where where his character, like who's in a wheelchair from you know polio, he like stands on his own two feet, and it's difficult, and it's not like he's going to stand for a very long time, and it's like a big moment, and it's meant to show like, oh, you can't, you know. Sometimes the impossible is possible. And then uh, a few minutes later, he does it again. And, <laughs> and, and, and we're made to feel like, oh, what a big deal. This is No, we just saw it. You have robbed yourself. Do you really think, like, you get to do it once. Are you, like, is Michael Bay so inept to the basic ebbs and flows of storytelling that he thinks he can do it twice and try to get this and try to play the same beat. It is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I just, 
People, people love. Some people defend Michael Bay that, and as an action director, I don't. He doesn't work for me, but I understand what you're saying. But one thing he is not is a dramatic director, and that is a dramatic moment. And just in case you missed it, here it is again. So, pretty much the same music. It's it's uh-huh. it's exactly the same beat, and it's so. I'm getting angry now. It is so ridiculous. And that he let that stand and that nobody said this is dumb is infuriating to me. This might sound uh, like an obvious uh, blow against Michael Bay, but I honestly don't think that he considers that his audience has much of a memory from scene to scene when he makes his movies. It seems like it's always kind of about the here and now, and he's not really interested in the uh the 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 narrative or or the so you're saying he ha- he completely lacks hindsight <laughs> in a way in a way i could see that or or assumes his audience does uh maybe yeah um the, what i want to compare it to uh also a movie in which the pro- president has is not the main character but um surprisingly so here uh bruce greenwood in 13 days oh yeah that's a great a great depiction yes um uh, and, and i think because we're uh, the reason he seems more like a man is because we're we're not seeing him through the eyes of the nation we're seeing him through the eyes of Costner's character yeah I forget his name Kenny something Kenny O'Donnell okay um uh, someone who knows him and yeah. and and works with him and it is um it's something that uh, the the West Wing kind of got at a little bit, but the West Wing is a bit of a fairy tale in some ways. But well, and you've got seven seasons to right. really. Uh, but but the idea that these people who work with the president um, respect him at all times, but in some ways that they don't necessarily say out loud all the time, kind of fear him as well. Yeah. Um, and I I, I think that. Um, like, like I said, it's been uh, close to 10 years since I've watched 13 Days, but that's kind of what I remember taking from it. Well, that, that Bruce Greenwood is great, but there's something a bit like, uh, you know, uh, Kenny O'Donnell yeah. is nervous about things, not only because of the shit, the heavy shit that's going down, but also because he uh, has to sort of live up to the president. The president and his brother. Like right. both the Kennedys um, are in Stephen Culp. Yeah. He's also great. I, I, you know what? I love Bruce Greenwood in that movie. I think I like Stephen Culp more. I like, it might just be that I'm, we're allowed a few more personal moments uh, with uh, Bobby Kennedy in that. And I think he does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, and you see human moments of, because when dealing with like the, the joint chiefs and stuff like that, they do not see him as legitimate. They see him as a possible appeaser and that sort of thing. So he has to try to seem presidential even when I'm sure he desires to just be human, to just be like, this is really hard. Uh-huh. But he can't say that in front of the Joint Chiefs because they already think like, yeah, it's too hard for you, Junior. You know, uh-huh. And right, so right. he can't even – he can only let himself be himself in front of you know Kenny and Bobby and – but even then, he has these hard decisions to make, and and it's just a it's a really great performance, and he really does live up to our idea of Kennedy, and our, but our idea of how hard this job is, and uh, yeah, that's and you know what I completely forgot about it, 
So good call. So. All right. Now I think a good transition into from real to fictional will be uh, a few words about primary colors, which is kind of both. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's about right. Uh, I mean, it is clearly and uh, not very um, in a not very veiled way based on uh, uh, pre-presidential Bill Clinton. Yeah, and other characters are based on uh, real people as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's not, I can't, I don't remember what the character's name is. Jack Stanton. Jack Stanton. Yeah. Um, that, uh, is, that's a great movie, right? I think that's a great movie. And, and I know that like, I think you give, you give Travolta more crap than I do. And these days, by all means, go right in. Yeah. That's the one I have to remind you of. I don't know if I do give him more crap than you do, because you have to remember that I like him as the hammy villain in things like swordfish and broken arrow even though those aren't no good no movies. I'm, I'm fine with that but like i remember you said like uh, there there was a time when you were like eh, is he that great like you i think you said like after 97 or something he's not that great but he's really good in civil action and primary right. colors both in 98 right. and i often have to remind you of those but yes but I'm, he, I'm not the fan of civil action that you are but yeah i guess he does it, it my problems with the movie have nothing to do with yeah him. yeah he's very good at it um but yeah, it's. Uh, I think, and it, I think it's a great performance as well. And I think Emma Thompson does a, a solid job uh, as the Hillary Clinton type. But um, just, and what's what's interesting is now because he's doing sort of a Clinton impression, he he has a lot to draw on. But and so we're we're also sort of seeing a fictionalized story, the outcome of which we already know. And so we have to see, well, how does, the, how could this guy wind up the president? He kind of has a, a, a rube type quality to him mm-hmm. at times, but then you see, you have to see like when he can turn on the charm, when he can feel your pain and all that sort of thing. And he has to make that a coherent, uh, cohesive, sorry, a cohesive character without merely relying on an impression and all these things like, oh, yeah, Bill Clinton, like, feeling your pain and, like, ha- and like get- having these little, uh, these clever little asides and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, he has to create a real character. And I, I feel like Jack Stanton is a completely real guy who could be the president. But it's also easy to say that because, like, if, if they had played him in a different way, if, they had, if his hair was dark mm-hmm. and if he didn't have that accent maybe I'd feel differently, but I don't think so. I think John Travolta actually brings the right amount of charisma and substance and flaws to that character. I think it's, I think it's probably one of his best performances. Yeah. And I'm also, sorry, Alison Janney is hilarious. She is delightful. Yes. But I mean, seriously, she's, I, I don't, I, she's a, a, she's really funny, like mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff. And I don't think that, I guess I feel like she doesn't get talked about as a comedic actress as much as she is. Yeah, no, I think people are inclined to, when they watch, like, The West Wing, I think they say, like, oh, that's funny. Uh-huh. But they never say, like, they say, like, oh, that thing she did is funny. But they would never think of her as a comedic actress, but she's just as much that. Uh-huh. If anything, yeah. she might be more of a comedic actress who plays dramatic roles sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's how I, how I kind of think of her. I mean, look at, uh, did you ever see Drop Dead Gorgeous? No, it's uh, one of my girlfriend's favorite movies. It's not great, but it does have some really funny stuff in it, mm-hmm. and she's hilarious. She and uh, she and uh, Ellen Barkin have like all their scenes together, mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're very funny. 
Uh, but yeah, she, um, Alison Janney in Primary Colors, those who haven't seen it, has a sort of pratfall while walking up the stairs yeah. at, a, at a, like, elementary school or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that is one of the funniest pratfalls I've ever seen. Yeah. And and also just deeply uncomfortable and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it looks like she actually hurt herself. Those are concrete stairs. But like, I also, um, I won't give any spoilers here, uh, but I recently watched uh, Kenneth Lonigan's Margaret. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And I mean, her involvement in that movie... Um, the 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 parts in the movie she's in are like the most aggressively uh, not a comedy parts and yet she's still like she's still kind of funny do you know what i mean yeah, like, I, I feel like we can't talk i can't I talk can't, any specific lines yeah, yeah. but like she still in the midst of like awful things happening says things that aren't funny in a funny way yeah uh yeah because she's in the movie rather briefly but gives a gives a, a really great full sketch of who the character is and manages to uh, have some, uh, I guess, sort of dark, like, gallows humor type stuff in there, too. She's great. Allison Jenny. She could play a, f- like... She'd be, she should be more stuff. She could play a female president. Sure. Like, she has a... She really has a, a weight to her, I think, as an actress that... Uh, right. It's why she works so well on, on West Wing. Like, I feel like she could take on all this... You should say president, not weight. I'm sorry. I just... She's not, she's, she's rather thin, is all I'm saying. I hate you so much. <laughs> I know, I'm <laughs> saying, I'm sure that someone might have heard that wrong. I know, but I assume that they uh, know what I mean. I know what you meant. I but I know you're willing to go with me. Come on all right, now. All right. Um, all right. So, speaking of the Clinton years. Okay. Uh, the American president was yes. mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, now, Michael Douglas in that movie, that's presidential. Oh, right? no question. Isn't about that? It. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know what it is. You know what? I do know what it is. I was going to say, I don't know what it is about Aaron Sorkin that he's just so good at writing characters who give speeches. Oh, right. Because he speechifies a lot. <laughs> right. Um, and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, it's one of the reasons why I think American President works so well and the West Wing works so well. Like, he, he's very good at writing characters who are used to giving big pronouncements and are intelligent. They need to be able to juggle a lot of information. And the character of Andrew Shepard in American President is written really well, and you can see kind of a seamless transition from president to man. Like It's not like he's putting on this mask of of being the president in order to do his job. This is a side to him. But it's not that different than the side we see. And a lot of that is due to uh, Michael Douglas just making it seem like this is the kind of man that, uh, that could do this job. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that's, that is where the presidential aspect comes from. Where you see somebody and how they deal with everyday problems and other people. And you see like, oh, that's the type of person that can handle this level of stress without them seeming like two people. Right, yeah, I yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, he's it, underrated it, as an actor. I think sometimes I think, he, I think he's considered a good actor, but I don't think anybody would ever list him as one of the best actors of his generation. Oscar aside, huh. I don't know. He's great in Wonder Boys. He's great yeah, in American yeah. President. Yeah, yeah. I like him in Traffic uh, a lot. Um, he's part of an ensemble, but like yeah. that's you know I've talked about how Traffic doesn't hold up that well for me, and it's no fault of Michael Douglas's, but it is his storyline more than the other ones is the one that doesn't really 
right. uh, work for me all that well anymore. So that's yeah. that's tough for me to say. But yeah, I do think he's he's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Aaron Sorkin is also good at writing. Not only people who can speechify and seem important, but like people that we would want to be president. Oh no, question. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, he's got a sense of humor. Like, uh, he's he, he's he's charming. Um, but at the same time, when it comes time to be president and mm-hmm. make the tough decisions, um, he does not take them lightly, or he, nor does he consider them from a political stance. Yeah. He when when it comes when it comes time to to bomb Libya, which is a thing that happens in America, the American president, mm. uh, it's not something he takes lightly at all. You know, this is this is a, this is a, a movie that's a, a romantic comedy, and the Libya thing. I guess if you're looking at it as a, as a plot device within the script, its purpose is just to keep them apart a little longer because mm-hmm. they're having a date, and then he gets pulled away. Uh, but um, what Sorkin does there is uh, he doesn't short short uh, sell the Libya thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he. Uh, it's it, you see how it's uh, it's not just an obstacle because it kept them out of the same room. Um, it, it's an obstacle because he's the president and this stuff yeah. is going to happen. And you don't yeah. you don't get the feeling. I think in a lesser president and romantic comedy thing, him getting called to the war room while they were about to kiss the scenes in the war room or the situation room, I guess is what it's called. Yeah. Um, would be about him like still thinking about the almost kiss or wanting to get back there. Yeah. Um, I think it's in kind of a ballsy move for both Sorkin and, and Reiner, uh, with American president when, when he's being president, he, you don't see him thinking about, uh, um, <laughs> what's her name? Sydney, Sydney Ellen Wade. I meant what's the actress's name? Oh, Annette Benning. Annette Benning. Uh, you know, I, I could picture my mind. I, I don't have a good memory for that, uh, for names. Um, you don't get the impression that he's thinking about her at all when he's being right. president. When things are a little slower, you know, he will find time at the end of a meeting. That's yeah. often a thing that Aaron Sorkin likes to do. Have a whole meeting that's a scene, a serious thing, and then he'll say something like, you think she likes me or something? I can't remember the exact lines, but that, that, it's that kind yeah. of like, he tosses it in, in, in at the end. Uh, and so, I mean, you talk about him not being two people, but um, Sorkin and Douglas and Reiner all are portraying the way that his his being president is not just that's not just a cute backdrop or set piece for the romantic right. comedy. It's a big obstacle for them. Yeah. It's a big obstacle, and but it is a it is a fact. It is not a device. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you really feel like this is the world that they live in, and I yeah I. I I love the American president. Um, and it's worth noting, by the way, because the American president is happening during an election, we see the president and we see the man that wants to be president. Uh-huh. And so it's worth noting the idea of somebody being presidential and Bob Rumson. Uh-huh. I have a surprisingly good memory for names here. Yeah. Bob Rumson played by Richard Dreyfus. He's everything we don't want in a president, you know, like he's 
conniving. He's judgmental. He's insidious. He's Republican, and who would ever want that? Um, <laughs> it's a little something for myself. Uh, and incidentally, Richard Dreyfus also goes on to play Dick Cheney. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he's why is he the go-to for villains? It was Matt Hooper? Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and so so we see that, and we see like what the politicians could be and frankly in life often are Mm -hmm. which is you know and there's there's nothing necessarily wrong with what richard dreyfus looks like he looks more like a regular person whereas of course michael douglas is you know a good-looking guy you know not necessarily rugged but he's got like a strong jaw and he's got like kind of swept features and that kind of thing well this uh divide between politicians actually are and what we want them to be brings me to the other movie i want to talk about which i'm sure is on your list too uh dave yeah um because that there we have essentially the same president even though it's a different guy but it's you know uh kevin klein is both plays the president who has a heart attack while cheating on his wife yeah um and he plays the guy they who looks just like the president who they get to yeah you know the the prince and the pauper type of thing they get to pretend to be the president and um, a lot of the conflict comes from um, regular Joe Kevin Klein being uh, a, a really nice guy mm-hmm. and having to deal with the repercussions of the actual president having been an asshole for his entire term and, and being longer un- than that. being unethical in yeah, some yeah. cases. Yes, yeah, but I mean, there's. Uh, I mean, I used to love Dave. I think now I would say I really like it. Um, there, it's 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 started to seem a little bit corny. Uh, to me, but there's a scene with Ben Kingsley as the vice president. Yeah, that is kind of the thing I'm talking about. It's like it's, um, it's it's a it's a really emotional scene, and it is a it is him not dealing with the like fish out of water comedy. It's like a real thing about about this history, and you and you see what the, this real president has done and how he's treated uh, Ben Kingsley. And how Ben Kingsley has stoically stood up against this this treatment, yeah. And 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 Kevin Klein is in this sort of position of like I still have to pretend to be this guy, but I feel awful about that thing. And anyway, yeah. Uh, and I, that's 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 a great scene. That's one of my favorites. It is a great scene, and, and I think the film. I think when you watch the American President, I think you see Dave, and you see it's a, it's a really great concept, really great performances all around, but ultimately kind of slight. Mm-hmm. lightweight maybe and yeah but also i mean uh and a little broader i guess that's yeah um i, I mean, mean it's you, it's high concept so of course they can't have it be like hard hitting all the time yeah I and mean, you mean you talk about uh richard dreyfus being villainous and the american president but compared to frank langella he's of uh, dreyfus is or bob rumson is a very nuanced character yeah yeah frank langella is like just practically pure evil <laughs> in dave yeah but it's and uh, i and, guess that's the thing i'm talking about how it doesn't hold up as well for me yeah, I guess so. I I think maybe because we're allowed to spend a little bit more time with Franklin Jell, like he just seems not evil. He just seems like the ultimate Washington guy. Like he mentions, I was a senator, and now he's the chief of staff, and just he signs stuff on behalf of the president. Uh-huh. Like he just he understands this is what it needs to be, and he doesn't have a great deal of faith. He just keeps the jobs going, and that's it mostly his own yeah and uh and i think it's a good performance especially because he's not i don't think langella is really like overplaying it there's like he often is just sitting very stoically and every once in a while be like 
uh, I don't know about that and stuff like that. But every and then he has like a little a little uh, explosion where he says, "It's not his job; it's my job." Yeah, and stuff like that. Uh, but but that's the thing. Like, and this this might just be my own my own thing. And okay, The West Wing is not a movie, so I won't get off on it too much. <laughs> One thing about The West Wing that I love, and this is we're going to talk about this more as the episode goes on. Uh, We've already we, actually been going for quite I a know, while. Uh, we, yeah, um, I'll, I'll probably wind up bundling a lot of these together. Um, is casting is so important because if you cast somebody like you can't do Michael Douglas too often, and if you do, you can't have someone who looks like Michael Douglas too often. And if you do, it has to be somebody who has the acting chops and a good screenplay behind him. What I like about the West Wing is the way people the way the polit- excuse me the way the politicians look and act they seem like people that could be politicians they have to have a performance aspect to it to them they have to at least exude a, a, a sense of authority a sense of tr- being trustworthy and as opposed to like the the uh the people in the back room and stuff like that. And so, and the West Wing does such a great job. And you almost, here's the thing, you ha- you almost have to, and there has to be a seasoned quality to them. Right. And so you almost always have to go with character actors. And, and with the West Wing, like they go so specific and it's such, it's so brilliant. Like Martin Sheen, I mean, he's, He's he has a, a movie star quality to him, but he also is like an older guy by the you know, and and so mm-hmm. he's kind of a character actor by that point. But like casting Tim Matheson as the vice president, you know, good looking guy, but also he's older now, he's a little a little craggier now, but he does seem like he could be a politician. And then as and then I think maybe the perfect thing is James Brolin, mm-hmm. casting James Brolin as Robert Ritchie, the Republican. Uh, challenger while i may not like i I would have liked if they explored his character just a little bit more they can't do that this is an argument you and i will never see eye to eye on never (laughs) but but i like his performance and i and the casting of him is great not uh, not unlike josh brolin Mm -hmm. he just uh huh i just got that i just for the first time was like oh they both played this type of character one quite directly and one covertly mm-hmm. maybe not covertly but um but anyway and just he seems like a guy who just he has kind of a a slow way of talking kind of a drawl and he just seems folksy and he seems seems down home and he does seem like a guy that is more relatable mm-hmm. to the average person baseball it's how real americans it's it's uh, where real americans get their entertainment yeah is that what like it is that. yeah as opposed to the opera or something like that and uh and that's the thing is, while I don't necessarily like that attitude, I think it's a certain type of haughtiness as opposed uh-huh. to the type of haughtiness the character would condemn. Uh, right. It's it, the casting of him. And then as time went on, uh, the casting of Gary Cole and um, Alan Alda and various other like senator, like people in public office, not the people behind the scenes in public office, the people that are expected to give speeches. Stephen Culp, incidentally, shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the new Speaker of the House after John Goodman. Uh, I won't say what happens, but he he was the Speaker of the House. And uh, and it's just... 
don't know. They, they have to present a certain authority. And so, and, and the same goes with, with uh, movies as well, is you cast actors who, can, who project a certain strength, a certain trustworthiness, and that's why, and if they don't project that, it's almost a little too easy to cast somebody like Richard Dreyfus against a Michael Douglas. You know, because then it's like, well, obviously one's the president, one isn't. This guy could never be the president. Look at him. You know. <laughs> well, okay, but, let's. But we, we can move, let's on. move on. Uh, yeah. I want to mention a couple more uh, movies with minor roles. Uh, the president's minor role, but totally believable. Bill Pullman, Independence Day. Okay. I, I still think he looks presidential. Uh, Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact. Okay, Morgan Freeman, I'll, I'll give you. <laughs> you don't think Bill? Uh, I mean, he that speech. He does all right, but it's just, he seems like, and that's the thing, it's an action movie, so I understand, but like, he seems like an actor giving a speech, not a politician giving a speech. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, the movie's not very good, but I still think <laughs> yeah. Bill Pullman in that movie at least looks like a president. And then I want to move on, and then I'll be pretty much done. We can okay. start talking about yours. About one, despite the fact that I like the movie, never bought Jack Nicholson in Mars Attacks as someone the country would elect president. <laughs> yeah, I've got him on my list as well. Um, he, not, not a trustworthy face. Jack not a trustworthy face, but also everything about him seems incompetent. <laughs> yeah. And just, and that's, that's kind of the humor where yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. he's like, we w-, he's like, if you just trust us, we will come out at a very real outcome. And it's just, uh, you know, and when you cast Jack, like Jack Nicholson, who is not very trust, who doesn't have a trustworthy face, but he does exude, an, uh, you know, exude an air of authority. But uh-huh. when you write him like that, like, I, I think he plays him pretty well. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to breeze through this a little bit because some of these are not, like you said, not major uh, characters. But, uh, okay. In Clear and Present Danger, mm-hmm. the and this goes to what I was saying before, the actor Donald Moffat. Do you know okay. who that is? Yes. Okay. Who incidentally played LBJ in The Right Stuff. But um, he plays the, the president and he plays him as kind of this, uh, he's not bumbling or anything but he's just he's a smart guy who's sort of losing grip on on the situation and donald moffat just manages you know sometimes just the weight and recognizability of an actor and you feel familiar with him and so just in casting him and he, the president's not a very large role in clear and present danger uh but uh we as the audience have a familiarity with that actor even if we don't know him by name and we just feel more at ease with him as the president um and then uh there's a movie called the the, the pelican brief by the way don moffat was also in one of my all-time favorite episodes of the west wing yeah the, oh yeah where he's uh cj's dad yeah he's great in that um he's a good actor all around i really liked him in the thing as well um in the pelican brief the president who i don't think has an official name is played by robert culp there's a lot of culps mm-hmm. going on um but uh do you know who robert culp is uh, from I Spy? Yes. And the character is corrupt, as as corrupt as can be. But Robert Culp has a very winning smile. <laughs> and he's just, he kind of look. he just kind of has a really conventionally, like, old school Hollywood handsome, one could say vaguely, vaguely Reagan-esque uh-huh. um, quality to him. And when you see that, like, he's not very competent, you can see, like, oh, this is a guy who got by in politics on 
charm and charisma without having really anything behind it. And that's why he needs to work with uh, so many uh, shady characters because that's how he can get things done. Um, so that was a good bit of, of casting as well. Um, my fellow Americans. I never saw that. It's not that great. It's How, two former presidents? Is two that former the- presidents and one current. The current president oh. is Dan Aykroyd. Okay. Former presidents, James Garner and Jack Lemmon. Of those three, I could absolutely imagine James Garner as, as the president. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and Jack Lemmon to a certain extent, I guess. But, uh, but it's, it's not a great movie, but uh, there's some interesting moments. And, and more than anything... I know it sounds weird, and this is maybe some of the things that I like about uh, the West Wing is like I want to see these actors give speeches as presidents. That's what <laughs> not real presidents, fake presidents. I, I just want to see that, which is why one of my favorite episodes of the West Wing season seven, uh, season seven, uh, is the debate between Alan Alda and Jimmy Smith, mm-hmm. and it's just like, ah. Oh, they're just embodying these characters saying interesting things uh-huh. and giving and giving like talking points and being like that project uh, ha, trying to project a certain image. I love that episode. It's great. And both actors do a great job. Um, um, it reminds me of uh, I've been uh, watching episodes of Cheers on Netflix and there is a, uh, a scene in uh, season eight where um, Roger Reese as uh, Robin Colcord, also <laughs> a West Wing vet. Yeah. Um, and um Kelsey Grammer as Roger Crane are having a bit of like an intellectual pissing contest where Roger Reese is performing lines from Richard the third and Kelsey Grammer is performing lines from Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's (laughs) clearly just like, uh, like just an excuse to see these two sort of like great classically trained actors chew the scenery a little bit with these great speeches. And it was, it's an awesome little scene that isn't even really funny, but it's just Who cool. Who cares if it's funny? <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. And while I have the floor here, I okay. forgot to mention, I wrote down awful movie, but also a West Wing vet who looks presidential. The movie First Daughter, I think, uh, I, I could be getting it mixed up, but there's a movie where Mark Harmon plays the president. Okay. I think it's First Daughter. There were like two, there were two movies at the same time. Yeah. I remember about like, uh, president's daughters yeah. and one was like chasing liberty is is the other I, one. okay no I, i'm gonna look up which one had mark Harmon in it because whichever one had mark Harmon in it i i don't know if i saw it okay i saw the one that didn't have katie holmes in it i think okay i don't remember which one is which uh is michael keaton the president in one of them we're gonna find out you go on okay you keep talking so i'll i'll move on um and I'll, I'll just touch on a couple. Uh, so, of course, uh, it's just a matter of time before we hit Air Force One. Air Force One, I do not feel like I am watching the president. Uh, I would. Li- I understand it's an action movie, and so they need to get to the action. I get that. I ne- you need to establish Harrison Ford as the president first, and not merely say, Mr. President. Okay, Chasing Liberty had Mark Harmon. That's the one I saw. Okay. It's Mandy Moore and Mark Harmon. Oh. So I guess First Daughter must have been Katie Holmes and... Uh, Michael Keaton? Yeah, and I think directed by Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> I think you're right. Oh, man, that guy is a human mystery. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, Air Force One. So they, you can't just say, like, him saying, I'm the president of the United States. It's like, I, I don't believe you. I think you're an imposter. Um, <laughs> and so 
I, you know what? I, I believed Glenn Close as the vice president more than Harrison Ford as the president. And maybe it's because this is clearly an action movie and mostly <laughs> that. But part of me is like, I want to see him give a speech. I want to see him doing president-type stuff. That way you've established that, th- that freaking Han Solo and Indiana Jones is the president. Uh-huh. Because otherwise, it's just them in a suit on a plane. Right. Like, and that's it. And so I never, ever bought him as the president. And I don't blame him. I blame the, the script and just the, how quickly they jumped into it. I never actually saw Air Force One. It's not that great. Gary Oldman's really good. It seems like you would need the character to be believable as the president, though, to sell sort of that's, that's part of the high concept yeah. of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's very frustrating. That's I mean, Wolfgang Peterson, right? Yes, it is. That um, guy. Who made the wonderful uh, In the Line of Fire. And Das Boot. And Das Boot. And... Troy. <laughs> and The Perfect Storm. Never-ending story. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm back on board. <laughs> that, I, don't, I haven't seen that since I was... I, oh, man. Before I ever saw Sleepless in Seattle, that's for sure. Going back to last week's episode. <laughs> I forgot so, that was last week. Hang on. Wait, no. no that, was sleepless, that was this week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. So two more... And I, man, why am I? No, oh, three more, and I'll end on one I'm happy to end on. Okay, good. So uh, there's a movie that I don't like called The Contender. I never saw it. I know you don't like it. You talked about it before. Yep. Uh, Rod Lurie wrote and directed. Uh, my reason for not liking it is mostly uh, for partisan reasons. Okay. And it's just such a freaking low blow dealing with in straw men, like for and just it's unfortunate. But the president is played by Jeff Bridges in a performance that would get him an Oscar nomination in 2000. Hmm. And uh, I'd say rightfully so. He does a very good job, and he really, not unlike John Travolta, um, he brings a a weight, what, what is the thing that you wanted? A presence. A presence yeah. to, to the president. And he really does seem like, like a regular guy who... Uh, at times he's a little, maybe a little too Jeff Bridges dude like, um, but uh, but like when he's giving a speech, I, I mean I hate to put it this way, but like when it comes down to it, like when you hear them give a speech, that's when you can determine if they're presidential or not. Uh-huh. And he gives a speech very well. And there's even a, a, a part in the film where while he's giving an address to Congress, he singles out a specific senator or congressman. I don't remember. And says, what you've been doing is wrong. And that's the thing. He's like, well, that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So you need to make this work, Jeff Bridges. And he does. He makes it seem like an an official rebuke from the president of the United States, not a petty calling out. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's a great performance. I really like it. There's a lot of good performances in that subpar film. Um, Is Gary Oldman in that one, too? Gary Oldman is in that. And he plays... uh, Okay. For example. Okay. Okay. The, <laughs> I don't want to get you on head. The, the president that we're a big fan of, played by Jeff Bridges, that uh, good-looking, uh, right. charismatic guy. Character's name is Jackson Evans. Uh-huh. All right. Jackson. <laughs> Sounds pretty awesome. Uh, the bad guy, uh, I won't say the antagonist. He's clearly the bad guy. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's Gary Oldman? That's Gary Oldman. He is pl- he's played with like these big thick glasses. Oh yeah, okay. And he's like 
they put like a wig on him where his hair is like curly, but he's also like balding on top. Uh-huh. He just looks, you know, he looks like Sean, uh, he looks like Sean Penn in Carlito's way, <laughs> which is by the way, not a trustworthy character. Um, and what's his character's name? Shelly Runyon, Jackson Evans versus Shelly Runyon. <laughs> and it's just it, like everything about, and just the lines they give him, And it's just ridiculous. And apparently a uh, little side note, um, apparently, because Gary Oldman is listed as a producer in that movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and apparently the movie he wanted to produce is not the movie that, and acted in, is not the movie that uh, is available. Hmm. Uh, he wanted it to be more about the overall nature of politics, and it wound up being how evil Republicans are. <laughs> and, um, so, and I'm sorry to put it only in those terms, but it does sort of but frustrate the movie does, me. The movie does, yes. Okay. Um, and... Uh, but one thing that's equal opportunity is Love Actually yeah. with Billy Bob Thornton as the president. I don't think he's given a name. And what they do is they take the, the, swa- the um, arrogant swagger of a George W. Bush with the licentiousness of a Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they put them together into one horribly unlikable president who's played with like this little smirk and uh, raised eyebrow by Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And I, uh, and I like his performance actually quite a bit. It's exactly what it needs to be. I don't feel offended as an American or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That movie doesn't hold up for me though. Uh, not the whole thing yeah. because it's an ensemble. There are certain things that I like yeah. and certain things I don't. Um, but as a, as a overall product, I think I like it. Um, I think, I think I dislike more stuff. I like, I, I do like Bob, Bob Thornton. Hugh Grant's very winning. Yeah. I like Alan Rickman and Emma, Emma, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Jeez. Where, I don't know where my head is tonight. Well, we've been recording for a while, but I don't like, uh, Karen Knightley. I, I don't I Colin Firth's storyline is the worst even though I I, I, I want to like him as an actor but that story that whole thing is just a mess it did feel like fillers like you know you're already making a long movie right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't need that yeah um, I like Liam Neeson's story um, oh, with the wow. kid with his yeah. stepson yeah. and all that um, yeah that Ke- that Kira Knightley uh, what is, and then what's his name Andrew Lincoln the guy from uh, The Walking Dead yeah that story is so like it frustrates me as like Oh, so, okay, you are totally undercutting your best friend's marriage yeah. by saying, yeah. hey, uh, my best friend's wife, I have, a, uh, I have feelings for you, and I'm going to do quite possibly the most romantic gesture you've ever seen. Well, see ya. Enjoy your marriage that isn't to me. It bothers me so much. Yeah, that's um, fucked up. It is. Yeah, that's the way. It's fucked up. I'm, I'm, not, and a, it's, and it's, I'm putting my trust in that guy in a zombie apocalypse, so I'll stick with Chivatelogia <laughs> for uh, I will now end. I didn't want to end on on either Love Actually or The Contender. I will end on Doctor Strangelove, oh, okay. as we always must. Uh-huh. Uh, the character of, I believe it's Merkin Muffley, <laughs> or it's Mumfley. I don't totally remember. Um, for, first off, his first name is Merkin. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. Uh, but also, also the name of uh, uh, Maynard uh, from Tools Winery. Really? Vineyard is called Merkin. I used to like Tool, and now I don't because of that. (laughs) You're a grown man. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Strangelove is a comedy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you can actually buy wines with bottles in bottles that say Merkin on them. (laughs) It's owned by Maynard. Uh, I still like Tool. 
I do too, but come on, that's that's frustrating. Um, but in this in the spirit of like satirizing presidents, just the president of the United States is the least effective character. I don't mean for the audience. Yeah, yeah, I right. mean like everybody is better able to do stuff to to accomplish anything than this guy. And it is as much as I like uh, Lionel Mandrake and as much as I like Dr. Strangelove, the president is my favorite performance of Peter Sellers. That monologue he's got on the phone with oh, the yeah. drunk Russian premier, <laughs> premier Kissoff, uh, <laughs> is so wonderful. I have tried to, I think I actually did it as an audition piece once, uh-huh. and I just couldn't, or I, you know, I was going to, but I didn't, because it's just like, I can't do it. I can't do it the way he did it. There's one little part. Well, there's several parts that are funny, but there's one part that I laugh at and nobody else does. Uh-huh. And I tried to sell it in such a way. It's like, people are going to laugh at this. I'm like I, I can't do it the way he did. Well, what's the part? And it's when he's like, he talks about one of our base commanders. He went all funny in the head and he, well, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He did, <laughs> and it's just, he just does it. So matter of fact, this is why you and I have, uh, a, what 13 year friendship yeah because we both find that equally funny it's just so <laughs> like people laugh at the funny in a head in the head thing and right. fair enough that's yeah. funny but well i'll tell you what it's just i cannot put i can't even put my finger on why that is funny yeah. but it's so brilliant and the character like clearly modeled after uh adlai stevenson uh-huh. is hilarious but also uh vaguely um barry goldwater-esque okay. as far as uh, appearance and also and, and just him being completely inconse- just inconsequential uh, and having no real strength in the war room, it's just so it's just so wonderful and uh, and I recognize that pointing that maybe that's not the most patriotic uh, character to go out on, but uh, but it is one of my fa- maybe probably not my favorite probably Andrew Shepard from the American President is my favorite movie president. American Monthly <laughs> is it your favorite? Um- uh, Peter Sellers performance of all time. Yeah. Hmm. It might be mine. I like me some being there, but I think, uh, I think I might go with the president on that too. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah. And, uh, and of course it's our favorite, which means it is the best. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I encourage people to go ahead and email. I assume you'll email to say, I agree. Uh, you know what else we can all agree is the best. Best, ending, ending this episode. Best website for uh, <laughs> reviews, for movie uh, reviews, theatrical and home video reviews on the internet is, uh, it can be found at www.battleshippretension.com. Uh, so go there, uh, read reviews. They are awesome. Uh, what, what, what reviews are up now? Uh, oh, I have to do like math in my head and figure out when this is, co- this is coming up this week. Yeah. So we've got, we've got people like us, mm-hmm. we've got Ted, uh, we've got Beasts of the Southern Wild. Oh, yes. Um, not sure what, what else was... Oh, Neil Young Journeys. Yeah. Uh, there's something else. Turn Me On, Damn It. Uh, yeah. Beyond, beyond the, uh, from the week before, Beyond the Black Rainbow, Extraterrestrial. Yeah. Uh, lots of yeah. good stuff. Lots, lots of stuff that you, uh, you should read those reviews and decide whether or not to go see those movies. Um, so that's where you do that. Uh, you can email us at david at com or tyler at com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension. And you can follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash more lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at more than one com. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review show previously on 
at previouslyonshow.com. So right. um, we hope to see you in San Diego, although I think we'll, there'll be another episode before that. Yes, uh, I believe so. But um, thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.